Hey, everybody, and welcome back to a very special episode of Acts of Pod. It's again just Anne and I, or Anne and me. Anne. Anne and me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you would say it's just me. You wouldn't say it's just I. So it's Anne and me. Oh, yeah. Good one. Yes, grammar. It's a, it's a, a, a helpful mnemonic. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hint. Um, so anyway, it's just the two of us. Building um, castles in sand. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> castles in the sky. Oh, just the two of oh, us. Thought, you and me. I thought it was in the sand. <laughs> right? It's supposed to be you and me. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so all this to say, Cezanne um, could not make it today. It, there was, again, a child. A child's illness, pink eye, I believe. Um, but, but she will be back on the next pod, which we right very soon. Which we are very excited about that. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big obsession of ours. It's so. gonna be a doozy, and that's my <laughs> hint. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> it's um, something that no, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now let's so well let us let us go now to this topic. Okay, well, all right. So I think what she's trying to do is um, colo- colonial uh, American speak. The, but I don't know what anyway, they sounded like. You're no goody proctor. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so for this very special episode, it's a Halloween episode. Ooh. Ooh. Are you scared? You should be. Um, so... I my suggestion was that we cover the Salem witch trials. Yeah. And nothing in particular because usually we take a news story that was popular during the week and then try to frame it historically, but I feel like this what the Salem witch trials Did I say that yeah. already? Oh, okay, sorry. What? No, you, <laughs> Salem witch trials. You haven't, No, you haven't finished yeah. this thought. You have you have said the phrase Salem witch trials. Okay, okay, so um, I'm not spoiling it by no, mentioning it again. No. <laughs> okay. Um, so anyway, Salem Witch Trials, I do think that as we talk about it, you'll see how perhaps some of the same tension we're feeling now will look very familiar through the lens of a 17th century colonialist. <laughs> oh, boy. Right? Either way. It's familiar. Uh, reading through it, like they say, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. And this, I feel like we are in the, I guess, the third verse <laughs> or probably 350th verse of the same song. Right. Which is, you know, times are changing and there's a group of people who are freaked out about it and another group of people who are willing, like totally willing to accept it. Yeah. And, and when um, they meet, and then things go bizarre. Yeah, violence and um, crazy town. Crazy town. It just so let's. Yeah. I think we should go. We should go visit one of the first crazy towns <laughs> that the Americans managed to assemble. The, and that's the white the, Americans. That's actually a very <laughs> good point. Hey, that's a very good point. I, I'm, I'm just. I'm just here. For the <laughs> the history. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait. Oh, speaking of, let's do that little background you were talking about earlier. Well, I was gonna say that 
you know, and because this was a very special episode and we were sort of rushing to prepare, which you will not be able to tell because it's going to go so smoothly. Um, but she sent me some of her research and the way we do research is drastically differently because she has pulled it all from academic text, text, yeah. right? Yep. So, you know, those books that are only sold on a university campus that have academic journals and like set aside. So maybe 10 people in the world have read them. That's what Anne reads for fun. But it totally, it totally made me understand why it's difficult for you to say anything with a sense of authority or, or historical accuracy. I understand timelines can be comforting. Sure. If you want to, I just, you start wherever you want to start and I'll, Okay. Oh, wait. So, Actually, I was going to start with um, uh, reading from The Crucible. Okay. Oh, go for no, it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to just start <laughs> reading The Crucible. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to read you the first passage of Cotton Mather's Treatise. Oh, my God. I was like, okay, well, if we're going to have to work in the crucible. Oh, Jesus. Uh, So that's funny. Anyway, well, actually, where I wanted to start was the witch trials of Europe. Ah, okay. By the time they happened in the colonies, we, the rest of Europe was like, oh, great. Those expatriated hillbillies are up to nonsense in the new world because they had already gone through all of this and everybody was in an agreement that it was probably ridiculous and we shouldn't be burning women at the stake anymore well not everybody (laughs) but um right but i'll tell you what started it off there were two and i did not know well anyway there were two inquisitors uh that by the Pope's decree mm-hmm. put together a handbook for the identification of witches. Sure. And it was called the Malleus Maleficarum, which translated into the Hammer of the Witches. And That's, it was accepted by both Catholics and Protestants. That's a good summer read. Take it to the beach. Oh, I enjoy it. I read it in the original Latin. And it's just, you know, the sort of things where, you know, witches have like a row of teats and then rats and other vermin will come and suckle them. Like the stuff we all know. Wait, is that really in there? That kind of thing? Yeah, that's in there. Oh, wow. Yeah, and like the witch's mark and, Mm. you know, like the Black Sabbath where you get together. And is it only... the woods. Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, it's like, it's mostly women and of course, like the devil... Right. And there's like an orgy, I guess. And you have to, I, there's a part where you have to kiss the devil's asshole. And I even saw like, there were prints of that, like wood carvings. Yeah. Yeah. They, well, they wanted to really, you know, make it clear of how to identify because you're like walking around like, oh, oh, that's what they're doing right there. I saw that in that book. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Well, and the other thing is, is that, I mean, did they find rows of teats on any of these? No, we'll get into that. We'll get into that as well. What they thought was, quote unquote, evidence in these trials. But um, 
So yeah, they after this book re- released. I mean, if you think about it, it would be. <laughs> I guess really, I love it. Like it's number one on on Amazon. <laughs> well, yeah. but the thing of it was, is it was very right, popular no. at the time because you could think of it like there's not much. Not that there was a huge literate populace, but people were reading out of it because it was so fantastical. Yeah, you know, and I mean, it was the dare I yeah, say a little sounds a little titillating. <laughs> well. That's exactly what I was going to say. Because as we're talking about, (laughs) well, and that's the thing, because as you were saying, you know, you have to think about, well, who's telling the story? So if we have like two men of the cloth who don't hang out with women very often, who are obviously incredibly repressed, and you leave them to their own devices, and they are the ones who are deciding like what a woman under the devil's seductive sway is going to act like right i think you would get something like the hammer of the witches <laughs> you know where there's all these naked wild women in the woods who've been seduced by the devil they can't help themselves they gotta have it you know i mean that's what it reads yeah, like to yeah. me they just gotta have it you know you know how all women are <laughs> So, anyway, that was my impression. But all this to say, so that was the, that's kind of the reference book they used at the time. I, it, well, I guess the, what the equivalent of it would be, I mean, there was, there was nobody to say, oh, this is ridiculous. Sure. You know what I mean? Because the way that they presented it at the time was, I mean, this is the, the Pope's men. The Pope is right. infallible. And if you do argue with that, I've got to take a gander that... There would be some sort of punishment coming right. your way. Would something like a heresy be brought up? <laughs> right. Maybe. Maybe. So, like, who are you to question, like, the Pope or his... Well, actually, the Protestants were those that questioned the Pope. Right. That, that also plays out. Right in this saga right. so let's get we're we're gonna fly in on our to, broomsticks <laughs> on our broomsticks to the massachusetts bay colony the year 1692 and let's just you know i think it's important again from a historian's viewpoint what must life have been like for settlers coming to what they called the new world. Right. Obviously, it had been inhabited for thousands of years, but people that had specifically moved because, not all of them, yeah. but originally, because they were too religious for their own countries. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, they were so Protestant and so fired up that first they went to the Netherlands, and then even the Dutch were like, you know what, we're cool with heroin, but like what you guys are up to is too much yeah and so not again not all of them but a certain right and then so they were like we're gonna go to this uninhabited uninhabited country it wasn't spoiler alert but you know obviously since we are god's chosen people (laughs) he is going to shower his blessings right because we're trying to dedicate this new place to him Sure. You know. Yeah. This is going to be a, a godly country on on our principles, which we've decided are the best. Right. And, but you know what? God was not 
showering them with blessings. Yeah. It was miserable. Yeah. They were absolutely miserable. They didn't know anything about the land. They were starving. It was freezing cold. Um, they, so they were I also read there were smallpox outbreaks. Yep. Um, and that... Surprise. Uh, this was in a... Well... That, um... This one article w- was saying that uh, it caused parishioners or... I don't. I mean, parishioners or or just inhabitants in general. I don't know right. if you're automatically a parishioner if you're a Puritan, but uh, looking for reasons for these events, the approaching doomsday. What's happening? Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's a very good point. So it's now, not just and- that you <laughs> move somewhere and you're getting, you know. It's surely this. These are omens of. Well, like from their point of view, they were going to arrive here, and because it was for the glory of God, the fact that once they arrived, like they couldn't, that the work was way too hard. The environment isn't what they expected. It certainly wasn't the Garden of Eden. No. You know, and so things weren't going well, and they were like, "I don't understand. If we're doing this for God." Why is life so hard? You know, like why would wouldn't he not like the Israelites in the desert? What you know? I mean, where like where's our milk and honey? Right. Like, I mean, surely there's a biblical explanation, right? Right. Job well, and something? the thing is, is because what they couldn't accept is that it's incredibly vain and self-serving (laughs) (laughs) to think that your way of practicing the faith is the best and therefore you have to go to somebody else's country and set up a new country in which you get to decide the rules because no other civilization who's been around for thousands of years has been able to do it quite as good as you. (laughs) Right. Except they're not starving. (laughs) Yeah, they're doing fine. They actually know how the, like, (laughs) natural ecology works. And so they know what to plan and when to plan it. And they're not losing their crops every year and whatever. (sighs) (laughs) But anyway, so all this to say... That, you know, you've got people that are, they've got a really tough life and they're already a little antsy. And the other thing was, is that it was, at the moment, it was a bit lawless because those years, um, the original charter of the Massachusetts Bay Colony colony was evacuated in 1864. And at the time, there was a governor, oh, sorry, what? 1864. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, sorry, yeah. Did I say 1684? No, no, you said... 1680. I'm just, okay. I'm, I'm thinking, and then the witch things. Uh, 1682. Yeah, yeah, okay, gotcha. No, I inverse numbers a lot, so I don't know. Um, yeah, what I, what I don't tell the listeners is that when I edit it, I take out all the times where I say the numbers wrong and they correct me, and then I just leave in where I say it the right the second time. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, let's get... Okay, so the original charter of the Massachusetts Bay Colony was vacated in 1684. Okay. And then King James, who was the Catholic king at the time, he installed Sir Edmund Andros, 
as the governor of the Dominion of New England. Mm-hmm. But then Andros was kicked out. And um, and he was ousted after the Glorious Revolution, which was in England. Mm-hmm. And that's when William and Mary were installed. Uh, right, okay. Right, yeah. And so at this point, you know, after people branched off from Catholicism and so there was the Anglican church, but there were also Protestants. And so the Puritans were so very Protestant that they believed that there was only a certain number of people that were preordained. Well, that's getting into Calvinism. Calvinism. Yeah, right? Yeah, they were, yeah, there, there was a group that were more Calvinist than the others. Yeah. Like when we t- we'll talk about um, Samuel Paris, who okay. is um, he's coming up, but he he led one of the churches, and it was his daughter and niece that were the first um, outcriers. Or yeah, I, or, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Yeah, because it's well, and that's the other thing. It's it's the trial. It's all there's such a binary narrative of the. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. Know. So I just wanted to the only re, the only reason I'm talking about this because I want to. This was a period where there was no accepted rule of law, so people were figuring it out as they went, sure. and so that's why there is this essence of lawlessness in the trials because there were some people that felt that that spiritual evidence could be used as evidence in these trials so oh my God. if they were to say, yeah if they said but i saw a demon and i saw these and they were like well that's not evidence but then there were people that were like well who are we to say that evidence of the spiritual is not evidence so there was no accepted Ooh, agreed upon god i ooh. Yeah, no, I don't like that. I don't like that in well, a trial. I, <laughs> I don't. I don't like that in a trial. <laughs> well, if you're taking spiritual evidence, I wanted to tell you that God told me I'm innocent. Yeah, so yeah, that's, but, that's my my southern accent. Yeah, I just I just want you. Every angel in the heavens said I am innocent. And yeah, I that's not be some convicted. like serial killer like uh, defense. Right. Yeah, but I, you know, I think that I just wanted to describe the environment that yeah, this was yeah. coming out of. And at the time, uh, let's see. Oh, I here's one of quotes from Anne's glorious articles, but it was <laughs> magistrates at the time saw the Salem episode as part of a millennial contest between Satan and God in New England that was coming to a head. So what was happening around this time is that people were, again, they were starting to question if in fact it was God's will that they were there because he had not been necessarily blessing their endeavors there. Right. And there were, so in magistrates, these are the people who are running the trials. And essentially they're the ones that, you know, talk about what law should apply in this new landscape and so they're they're the ones trying to sort of figure out the law of of their new land yeah. right and so at the time they you know because there were and maybe you read about this but in the north in maine the local 
tribes were actually fighting against the settlers mm-hmm. and they were sort of chased out of Maine. Yeah. And, you know, and so they were dealing with, you know, immigration from this northern colony. And so that was causing tension and because uh, they had scarce resources. And I don't know if this sounds familiar to <laughs> yeah. you, but when there's only, you know, when there's a scarce amount of resources and you have people worried that they're going to lose what they've got, then they make villains of people. Right, right. Now, the the main character, I think, of the story is uh, Samuel Paris, who is the new minister um, that has been put in charge. Okay. Now, there's more than one church, but the, you know, it's kind of like the, like the system in England, every village would have you know, a minister, yeah. a sign, you know. Yeah, it was a, it, I mean, right, it was like a theocracy, right? Yeah, um, yeah, so, you know, every every area they would, I mean, I guess kind of the way that Catholicism still works, but every area had a church. Right, okay. And so the church wasn't built around the minister, the church was the constant, and people would be assigned to the post. Okay. You know, like now they have, you know, like the preachers on the circuit, if they get popular enough, they'll build their own church. But at the time, it was, you know, you would have to wait for an. The the church yeah. was always there anyway. Okay, now and, okay. See, I, no, I was just going to my notes about what I did pull out about Paris. So go go right. on. That you love it in the springtime. <laughs> Um, so, it, we'll just tell. I mean, well, that did you about how he decided to interpret all these negative obstacles that God was sending destroyers in the form of witches. Yeah, is that right? Right, that's one of them. Okay. So he, so he arrives. And from the very beginning, like, the the way that the colony was described is that it was fractious and that people weren't getting along and they had these small inner family grievances and they, there was, n- they didn't trust, every time they would get a new minister um, or a new, like, a, a spiritual head, they would go and ask them to resolve for disputes yeah. and nobody was ever happy about the way that they so they would kick them out and you know like i said there was this feeling of but but who's right right how how is your judgment any better than mine in the circumstance you don't know more than i do you know so there there wasn't an agreed upon way of settling you know sounding kind of like i don't know narcissistic or something i mean (laughs) I mean, come on, guys. You can't agree on just some sort of ethics. Just one well, and ethical truth. Right. And they were caught up with, and I can't wait to see a reaction to this, <laughs> about property lines oh. and titles. Yeah. Oh. Oh, you mean the beginning of America. 
Yay! Yeah, yeah. So, for, right from the beginning. Imaginary property lines. Yes. Right. Oh, so here can... we go. Bring it on. <laughs> yes, and capitalism enters the picture. Right. Yahoo! Right, so who has, you know, the right to this land that has access to the river or doesn't and so yeah. these all these fractious disputes and so Peretz walks into this and what he could have done was rise above it and show them the sort of moral leadership that really just drew people together what he did do was feed off of the rivalries yeah and make it even bigger so they would depend on him. It would grow his position. Right. Oh. And so... Power. So he was like... Huh. Yes. Hmm. The king of chaos. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, it only happened that one time. Yeah. No, we never see this play out again. Right. You'll never see somebody that specifically tries to drive a wedge <laughs> in between people... And then profit off of the chaos. Yeah. <laughs> no one ever does that again, thankfully, because we learned our lesson. Learned our lesson. I mean. Well, and oh so God. at the time we were talking about how some were like more Calvinist than others. What he believed was, or what he told people, mm-hmm. was that his church and his congregation were, in fact, the elected ones. The, those are the ones that God had elected to go to heaven so not so everybody in the village that wasn't a part of his church not only were they not really christians but they weren't going to heaven i mean that's a lot that's that's a big burden yeah because you couldn't be baptized their thought was that you couldn't be baptized unless you had a parent that was in the congregation and so the way they were looking at everyone else was that their children uh, weren't baptized. It's, it wasn't valid, and they were not going to be going to heaven with them. You know, I'll say this: I have a little problem with organized religion. No, not you. And um, this is not helping. <laughs> and organized religion has been nothing but a miracle for women. <laughs> And yeah, the underserved. Um, it's sure. it's been used to really just send send equality. Well, and that's what's so weird because especially like with the New Testament, the way that the prophet of the New Testament tries to elevate the powerless and the poor and the weak, and yet it's used as a tool. By the powerful. Right. That doesn't make any sense, but No, people are really, really good at uh manipulating things for their own advantage. What? <laughs> no way. We are do these are hard hitting truths <laughs> that no one else has figured out or brought up, guys. Yeah. Right. I mean, are we blowing your these mind? These are not conversations that you may have had when you were 19. No. Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> no. With your first doobie with your pals. Talking about what it's really about. But you know what? I still enjoy the, the convo. Well, obviously we 
re-record it and put it out for 30 people to listen to. I mean, if that isn't self-indulgent, I don't know what is, but... Well, accusing people of witchcraft, maybe, but... All right, so uh, all right, so here we go. Yeah. Now again, as we were imagining how miserable it must have been in the colony. Now let's think about what it must have been like to be a teenage girl. Yeah. No, I'm just thinking about the toys they might have made. I'm sure they made some, but it wasn't like getting a you know a Nutcracker. Right. Right. You know, no, some no. brightly. You know, and I and I wonder too, like. I don't I don't know what the uh gender dynamics were either. Like how many single women or or teenagers were there for teenage boys? Well, and but you know, the the sexes must have been kept apart cuz it was a very traditional community. Right. So there honestly there just wasn't like frivolity and whimsy were frowned upon and as a child that's (laughs) like what you right what you need the most you know that feeds your imagination but all of that was looked at as sinful so no playing which is like the opposite of parenting today it's like every you know you learn through play right so the point is is that it doesn't surprise me that in this household where there are men coming over talking about how the church is under attack from satanic forces because they see people in Boston who are merchants who are making tons of money and here they are in these small communities and they don't have these luxurious furs and they don't have, you know, these beautiful accoutrements of this sort of merchant wealth. And, you know, if they're the godly ones, why... Are they struggling the way that they are? It obviously is Satan. Right? Yeah. I mean, what explanation could there be? Um. So Samuel Paris. Okay. Teenage girls. Yes. So there are people who's are the authority in the town. They are at their house talking about how there are very literal demonic and satanic attacks okay happening because there's also uh, people that are coming in again from maine okay so god what were they doing in maine jeez i know it, it, like this is the toughest landscape Ugh. and obviously there's yeah and so there was I mean, there's a lot of tensions in that area like the french had quebec and you know yeah. the right and they supported some of the tribes that were attacking them and yeah. you know it was just a lot of tension and anyway so these girls that have been deprived of any sort of like really like social life or any sort of stimulation whatsoever when they end up falling sick and they don't know like what the nature of the illness was exactly but at some point it the way that it was explained was that it wasn't a physical illness but rather the manifestation of a witch's curse right okay and at the time you know they were as they were being questioned kind of like a a leading interrogation like as they were being questioned they were being fed wait is that a witch bothering you is that why you're doing this did she come to your window at midnight and try to lure you outdoors 
And they were like, yes, yes, she lures me outdoors. I hear her. Sure. You know, and and they had, um, and the Parises had um, a woman that was working for them that they believe may have been either a South American indigenous or Indian first I, what's what's the preferred? Well, um, oh, so are you talking about Tichuba? She's referred to as Indian, but but that what I've read with that is like it's not necessarily there's not like a one you can't really do like a one racial uh, definition because. Like Columbus called the West Indies Indians, you know what I mean? So, and there were black slaves. So, could have been a, a native um, West Indian, and also have you know um, black slaves. I also read like Tichuba is um, a traditional name in. Yoruba, I think, which is a Nigerian language. I also read about the South American theory. You know, there's a lot of theories out there. What's interesting, though, is how little there is about her when so much of this is, like, swarms around her and her, like, witch's cakes and stuff. Well, and that's the other thing, because she's sort of the... the, one of the central characters in this, because she is the other. And so, stories from the 1800s, rather than her being an Indian, they have her as a black woman. Right. It's... Exactly. It changes. Which, because at that time, it was the ultimate other. Exactly. And so, and the other, the, her witchcraft, sometimes it was voodoo, or sometimes it was, you know, more of a Caribbean sort of Creole religion. And it, it, again, it changed as she changed to fit the narrative. Exactly. It's, it's really, for me, that it's really interesting. And it's also, she was never... Uh, executed. She was. Well, she was imprisoned. Right. The she wasn't killed was because the 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 strange thing about the Salem witch trials is that it did not take a hundred years for them to realize they made a mistake. Yeah. That happened almost immediately. Right. You know, and they. It was like, what sort of madness has taken hold of you guys? You know, like it. People felt instantly regretful. So, right. so she she didn't have they they didn't have the time to murder her. Like she was one of the main witnesses for other people's. You know, like right. they kept her alive for information because oh. she was like, I had seen witches. You know, I know all of the women that fly in from Boston. <laughs> and by the way, she was fed all of this. Yeah. So it's, you know, she was yeah. still a witness. It's just so weird to me that like. Because there are these narratives of, like, that she's teaching them how to make, you know, witches' potions and and doing all this business. And the fact that the anger didn't go towards her, but towards 
members of, well, I guess, land, like, people who wanted the other person's land. Well, that's exactly yeah. right. So she, she, she didn't, at the time, they didn't feel threatened by yeah. her. Yeah. No, I mean, you it, know? yeah. And so they kept her around. Uh, but I think probably what happened was that she was just, if asked by curious young girls that were understimulated and isolated yeah. and lonely, that if she told them about what things were like in her childhood, she probably, well, obviously, I mean, uh, obviously, but they probably weren't Christians, you know, they probably had a different religion. And so her just talking about what seemed like such an unimaginable and strange place, like from the tropics with the sunshine, right. you know, not having these, like, these rules and being able to play and express yourself and all this sort of stuff, to them that must have seemed wicked, you know? Yeah. And yeah. It, because it was so foreign. Right. So I don't, to that, I mean, they may, there may have been a grain of truth to the stories because it wasn't necessarily voodoo, but you know, she's just a, a freer society. She's just a really, it's just a really interesting character in, in to me because, yeah, I do too. Because it's also the, it takes into account like the, you know, the, that mythology of, whether it be American Indian or you know native Native Indians in Indies Caribbean or Africa, like oh, there's something, there's something sort of magical there because they're more attached, they're more connected, you know that sort of mystical mythology that that. But then on the other hand, it's like you're also then you're also punished for that okay so we can move away from uh tichuba and we can go to but all i was gonna say is that what the same thing that happened with the girls is that when they as they were questioning tichuba they were feeding her information okay which you're not supposed to do right as as an interrogator right like are you the one that climbed up a ladder to the second window right. and then stabbed yeah yes i'm the lady that you know stabbed him four times <laughs> I, and- I feel like criminal law has just now learned that within the past like 15 years <laughs> no, it's I know. pretty much I mean- been standard to like you were the one that did do that. <laughs> you know, and at the time, there were people, like we were talking about before, as these trials were going on, one of the women that was executed was one of the first people that were like, wait a second, does this not seem ridiculous to everybody here? Like, we're not actually talking about, like, witches, witches, right? right. And they, they hung her, you know? Yeah. They were like, well, that's something a witch would say. Um... So, Did, you know, there there were people at the time who were like, wait, I thought we all agreed that when this happened in Europe that it was a shame yeah. and we shouldn't do this again. And don't we have, you know, because at the time, like the British judicial system, I mean, I think 
their like first the, in eight, the year 800 they had something established right. so it's not as if it was you know nobody had a rule of law to go by right but they were just I think the reason that it made it different is because it was sort of like a Lord of the Flies you know <laughs> Yeah, but we're here now, so what applies to this situation? Right. You know, what what laws can exist in this place where, you know, yeah. we're making history as we go. Did they reserve the whole stone crushing? How did they decide who that happened to? Right, I don't know. Yeah, or was it I'm only not men? sure. Like, I don't remember. Well, that's the thing. I don't know if it's specifically for warlocks. Um, I mean, I'm sure that there was still oh a lot of... Oh, yeah. God, no. Just, oh, this mental image. Um, oh, of, yeah. It's of, like... No, of like an like a abracadabra costume, you know? Oh, with the, yeah. Where, yeah, like Dumbledore. Where, where, where it's like, oh, you don't know Harry Potter. Well, but I'm thinking of we have a we have a friend who did wear a costume like that. Sure, to some sort of jam band show. <laughs> right. Yeah, we do have a friend who's a wizard. Right, and that's the thing is that I feel like at the time people were reacting the same way that we are now, which is. Why are you wearing a wizard outfit, weirdo? Like, even at the time, they were like, wizards? No, that's dumb. Like, at no point was somebody like, oh, that's legitimate. But they, I'm sure Giles is a... He wasn't wearing a wizard hat. Yeah, that's just, I, I looked through his wardrobe, and I saw no cape with cutout moons and stars on it. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The blue with yeah. the moons and the stars and the and the Yeah, I've pointy. never I've never seen him turn a stone into gold. You know. I mean, this is years before Alistair Crowley, but um, <laughs> when we I mean, again, there's always some somebody's got to pick up the wizard uh cape. So another quote that I pulled was um, the way that it's been described in some textbooks, but the Salem witch mania uh-huh. was a tragic holdover from a passing culture. Its fury was aggravated by a psychological reaction of traditionally minded folk to the new, more commercial, secular society of turn of the century New England. Yeah. So this interpretation helps explain why the primary accusations came from the agrarian village while the alleged mm. witches either resided in or were somehow connected to the market-oriented town. Yeah. Perhaps the charge of witchcraft masked a deep resentment for their neighbors' monetary success and the new set of values that accompanied the market economy. Yeah. I but I it, like that story. Well, and what was true is that you know there's I don't you know, like that art- story, but I like no, that. No, 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 yeah. but that explanation, yeah. like, how it relates to where we're at now, I feel, is very instructive. Because yeah. I feel like we're also at one of those places where, you know, we're having a, a globalized economy and there are people that have, have really taken to it and adapted to it. And then other people who feel left behind and the people that feel like they've been cut off or let behind or isolated right. 
when they see all these other people prospering and they don't feel that they've done anything wrong, they feel like they've lived by traditional values. Right. There, there's a resentment yeah. there. And so, you know, and if you have a figure like Samuel Paris come in, see that there's a resentment between these groups of people and rather than have people try to work together to, you know, a high tide raises all boats, you know, in yeah. fact, just takes advantage of that bitterness to inflate their own sense of importance. Right. Going back to colonialism, the basis of colonialism is the birth of capitalism as we know it. So, of course, yeah, yeah, you've got someone in power that's going to, like, pretend to relate to traditional values, and by traditional, oh. Yeah, my point is, is that when there is a turning point, um, or when there is a transition to a new economy, yeah, there are people who feel... You know, I've made sacrifices in my life. I've done the right thing. I haven't, like, let myself, you know, be tempted away from my wife and my family. And I worked hard and I was loyal to this company. Uh, So why are all these people, why is this 24-year-old, why does he get to sleep with, like, you know, a hundred women in a year and he's a billionaire and, you know. Yeah. why, Why are these, why are people prospering? just because they're slick at like you know right. at finances they don't produce anything they don't sacrifice anything of right. themselves why are they getting rewarded is it because like the whole like bootstrap mythology of like well they're just self-made and so we're going to give them a pass i don't know i mean well, I think it's like part of, I think it's like the you know the prosperity gospel where if you're doing the right thing then God will bless you and you will flourish, but if if you feel that you have done the right thing and you're still struggling and there's very obvious examples of people that you feel are living a sinful life or a self-indulgent right. life and they're prospering. Yeah. You know, I think that that it's a fertile ground for people right so it why why aren't we being blessed right and so at the time a good thing would be like well you the whole sold yourself to the devil kind of thing and that and that's how you're getting all this wealth so anyway the Oh, here's another good quote about Samuel Paris. Okay. And it was said that he was described as a noxious mix of psychological rigidity and religious enthusiasm. So, oh. So I think, like, when people, for example, if you have people in your life where you're like, yeah, but you can read these articles and it, it will show you that what you're saying right now is completely untrue. Mm-hmm. Like, they won't be affected by it. There's nothing you could tell them right. that would change their mind. Right. And I think that it, that was... Yeah. No, those are two of my favorite qualities in people. <laughs> <laughs> I surround myself with people like that by choice. 
Oh, yeah. God. Or sometimes we don't have a choice. Oh. But ultimately, there were, like, thousands of accusations, hundreds of trials. There were executions. Only five of them were men, surprisingly. And two dogs. Yeah. Oh, come on, man. Why the dogs? God. The poor dog. What must he have done oh. to convince people that he was a witch? Oh. <laughs> come on, guys. Like, I'm, I, what, what do you think a dog could do to convince you that he was possessed by the devil? He could <laughs> wear a little headband with devil horns. <laughs> Or, like, any time you tried to pray, he would bark. Yeah. I don't know. Like, Let's ask fucking Berkowitz. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Although I think... That's a set of sand. Yeah, I think he's actually... Hasn't he since, like, retracted and been like, yeah, I made all that up. I just wanted yeah, to kill did, people. But... <laughs> yeah. God. The dog wasn't really telling him that. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> Oh, but, um, no. So, yeah, like uh, we said before, it, um, you know, as soon as, like, a a new governor was appointed and it, it like, almost immediately people were like, well, hey, the second, I think you've made a huge mistake. <laughs> and, like, people were already starting to think, oh, yeah, you know, now that you mention it. Like, we shouldn't have put stones on top of Giles Corey. He always seemed pretty nice. <laughs> I mean, I, now that I look back, I could see I was really heated in the moment. Yeah, it was pretty gross. It's, it's, yeah. it's kind of gross. How was how I mean, his eyes much, popped out? <laughs> I mean, nothing much happens here. And granted, like, we were all drinking mead and, like, the ergot was kicking in and... I mean, everybody was there, and, like, to see him survive, it felt like, I don't know, it didn't feel like a good ending, and, but looking back, his wife is super sad about it, and his kids are bummed out, and then I see them at the harvest dance, and I feel bad, you know, because I was like, what about this stone, and, like, I, you know, I didn't have to do that. When I shined the buckles on my shoes... And on my pilgrim hat. Yeah, I mean, specifically to watch your dad get crushed by stones. I mean, looking back, my bad. Oh, God. Oh. Honestly, I think it was recently used to describe a certain Supreme Court nomination. I swear to God, it was in the news. Someone's mentioned... Salem witch uh, witch hunt. Oh, you know why? Because it was. Uh, that's what happened when you listen to young women's testimonies. Yeah, yeah. I, I and the other thing is, is that I, I. That's actually a really good point, Anne. Because while people like to think that this was the origin of this was the teenage girls the teenage girls were in fact used as a prop right by the ministers yeah so something i don't know what had happened with the girls i don't know if they were reacting to the attention you know who who knows you, there were 
at that point, it was like everybody was so invested. It was really difficult for them to say, you know, they they knew how they were meant to perform and they were children. Yeah. You know, so they were they were misused. And I and the people that were. And the people that were targeted almost immediately were women that were not under the protection of men. Yeah. So widows, you know, people that didn't go to church or, you know, for some reason had gotten a bad reputation. Like she, she'd never married again, but all the husbands liked her. And so, you know, right. it was, you know, people that, that again, like weren't under the control or the protection of men in the community were immediately suspect. Yeah. So I don't think that the villain of the piece is these young girls because I think they were fairly powerless otherwise. And it's not as if we have a habit of believing young women when they have accusations. Right. No, because it very specific. The term witch hunt was used many times to describe what happened to Kavanaugh. Well, and I think that what is, again, the 150 to 200 accusers of Larry Nassar, for example, (laughs) if they had listened to them with the same open heart and open ears as they did to these young girls visions of witches yeah. that maybe he wouldn't have stayed employed for 25 years after his first accusation. Right. I don't think the problem here is people finding women credible. <laughs> yeah, right. if only we decided never to believe women again, history should be fine. I don't think that's like the... Yeah. Well, and, I, you know, and uh, I'm I've been known to read a little much into things and gone a little what? off, but but I was looking at um like a tour through Salem and it was they were going through like the historical sites and there was a, mem- a memorial to one of the you know execution sites or I don't remember exactly but and it was to um, was it was it the dog. <laughs> wasn't the dog uh, okay. a memorial to the hysteria which oh. to me hysteria is a loaded word because that's why <laughs> I mean it's associated with women always right and right. so you know oh we're this is the memorial to the to the hysteria of all the violence that women brought upon. I mean, this is what happens when you take women seriously. The whole town goes nuts and people die. So that's why we have chosen not to listen to women ever again or educate (laughs) them or allow them access to financial institutions. As you can see, like there's Eve and then these women that got Giles Corey crushed. And the dog. Oh God. Yeah, and that satanic dog, he knows what he did. <laughs> but I mean, they could have picked a better word than hysteria for for their m- monument, you know. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, you know, I, the same narrative that's been going on forever where 
I had no intention of eating that apple until that bitch convinced me to do it. <laughs> and like that, just apply that to every other situation. <laughs> I didn't want to execute all the weird women in town, but this 12-year-old girl told me that, you know, and I believed her over my own judgment. Look, I'm I'm a 50-year-old man in power, (laughs) in charge of everything. So right. what do I what are you what am I supposed to do? You tell me. <laughs> I mean, a nine year old tells me a woman with teats <laughs> is feeding blood to a pig, what am I supposed to say other than we we need to kill Goody Proctor? <laughs> I mean that's just science. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. Ugh. So that's that's the the spooky, spooky edition of Axapod. Yeah, happy, happy Halloween. Hey! Don't, oh, God. Um, <laughs> yes, go, well, have fun at your holiday parties and trick-or-treating and... Mm-hmm. You know. And, um, don't dress as an Indian. Yeah. It's, that's, Sorry, I had to get that in there. Just... No, I mean... Just advocating. Or... Or any sort of cultural appropriation, yeah, probably. That would be my request. That's just my Christmas wish for for Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> it's my Christmas wish for Halloween that we just can stop uh, cultural appropriation um, and not dress as a sexy, um, whatever astronaut. Yeah. Yeah sexy astronaut oh god all right yeah be respectful (laughs) all right so as always thanks thanks for listening and uh we'll be back with a a a pretty interesting set i don't know oh it's gonna be oh it's gonna be a doozy that's right um all right so check us out on axapod on instagram gmail facebook twitter twitter and um otherwise see see you soon bye 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 guys bye